Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, friend, and welcome back to Foul Play. In this thrilling conclusion of The Phantom Killer of Texarkana, we continue unraveling the chilling story of the mysterious killer who wreaked havoc on the small town of Texarkana and made the tight-knit community isolate from each other and trust no one. Together, we'll analyze the murderer's modus operandi, his potential psychological profile, and the various suspects who emerged during the investigation. With each new piece of information, the case becomes murkier, leading us down a path of unexpected twists and turns. As the authorities race against the clock to prevent another horrifying attack, the line between truth and fiction becomes dangerously blurred. And ultimately, we're left with the question, who is the real phantom killer? And what drove him to commit such heinous acts? Join us on this heart-stopping journey as we attempt to unmask this elusive killer and bring closure to the haunting legend that has tormented Texarkana for decades. Stay with us, and remember, as we venture into the shadows, the answers we seek may not always be what we expect. So hold on tight and prepare for the final episode of The Phantom Killer of Texarkana. Throughout the inquiry into the Phantom Killer case, almost 400 suspects were apprehended as potential suspects. Many of them turned out to be false confessions and wild goose chases, all because the confessors were looking for their 15 minutes of fame. Throughout this period, only three suspects were detained due to bloodstains on their clothes and two were released after providing a believable explanation for the blood. The final suspect was held in Vernon, Texas, for further scrutiny, but was eventually exonerated as well. Why was the Texarkana killer so hard to pin down? And perhaps, more importantly, why hadn't he struck again? Speculations ran wild, ranging from the fact that the killer was winding up to take down a rather large victim, or that karma found him and made him suffer a fate not too different from the one he inflicted on innocent lovers. And during this time, Texarkana all but shut down. There was an unsaid curfew imposed upon the town after sundown, 
and as days went on, the number of latches and locks you needed to check before sleeping increased in number as the rumours and speculation grew more intense and terrifying. Among the numerous suspects arrested, a few had more evidence against them. Like Yuel Swinney, his wife admitted to her husband's involvement in the crimes, but she was legally prohibited from testifying against him. Peggy Yuel was questioned multiple times, and despite the credibility of her statements regarding the murders, authorities remained sceptical about her truthfulness because of her inability to provide specific locations or accurate timeframes. It was suggested that she may have just lifted the information she saw sprawled across newspapers and public reports and passed them off as Swinney's doings. Swinney passed away in prison in 1994 as a repeat offender, never admitting to being the Phantom, but having a host of other accusations against him, including a counterfeiter and car thief. As investigators pursued numerous suspects, like Ewell Swinney, it became clear that uncovering the identity of the Phantom Killer would require a deeper understanding of the perpetrator's profile and motives. Analyzing the patterns of the crimes and the available evidence, experts attempted to piece together a psychological portrait of the elusive killer. The mysterious murderer gained his chilling moniker only after the double murder of Betty Booker and Paul Martin. On April 16th, the Texarkana Daily News published a headline that read, Phantom Killer Eludes Officers as Investigation of Slangs Passed. The front page story continued page two with, Phantom Slayer Eludes Police. The Texarkana Gazette featured a small title on April 17th, declaring, Phantom Slayer Still at Large, as probe continues. J.Q. Mahaffey, the Texarkana Gazette's executive editor in 1946, recalled how managing editor Calvin Sutton, known for his flair for the dramatic, asked if they could refer to the faceless murderer as the Phantom. And Mahaffey responded, Why not? If the SOB continues to elude capture, he certainly can be called a Phantom. Mary, Jean, and Jimmy were the sole survivors who could provide a description of their attacker. They recounted him as a six-foot-tall man donning a white mask with holes cut out for his eyes and mouth. While Jimmy surmised the attacker was a young, tanned white man, under 30, Mary Jean believed he was a light-skinned African-American. With no other descriptions from the next few incidents, it remains uncertain whether the same person or multiple individuals were responsible for the attacks. Though the prevailing assumption is that a lone culprit committed the crimes. The Phantom's modus operandi involved targeting young couples in secluded and remote areas just beyond the city limits, armed with a 32 caliber gun. 
even though the Stark's murder utilized a 22 caliber weapon. Most investigators believed the Phantom still wielded a 32 caliber firearm. The perpetrator only ever struck late at night on weekends with approximately a three-week hiatus between each attack. Captain Manuel Trezarsus Gonzalez, the person who practically became the frontman for the investigation to the media, asserted that the police were grappling with, quote, a cunning criminal who meticulously concealed his identity and activities, end quote later adding that the murderer's tactics were both brilliant and confounding. Gonzalez also claimed that the individual they pursued was, quote, a sly person who would stop at nothing to evade capture, end quote. And indeed, it felt that way. One of the other officers on the case commented on how the Phantom was the luckiest criminal because no one could see or hear him coming and no one could provide an actual description of what he looked like. He was, quite literally, a phantom. Hollis would later add, quote, I know he's crazy. The crazy things he said made me feel that his mind was warped, end quote. Dr Anthony Lapella, a psychologist with the Federal Correctional Institution in Texarkana, theorised that the killer planned to continue executing unexpected attacks like Virgil Stark's murder on the town's outskirts. He also believed the same individual committed all five killings, driven by an intense sex drive and sadism. Dr Lapala speculated that the murderer was between his mid-thirties and fifties, an intelligent, cunning and elusive, traits that often helped him to evade capture. Lapala's theories suggested that the killer wasn't afraid of police activity, but was mindful of the increased challenge of ambushing people on deserted roads. After all, there were highway patrolmen and police officers stationed all around the region to prevent another attack. The only place he could continue his sadistic acts was in a dull, isolated farmhouse. The Starks Farmhouse. Lapala suggested that the killer could be living a seemingly normal life, was probably not a veteran, and may not necessarily be a local, despite his familiarity with the area. Lapala believed the attacks demonstrated meticulous planning, and the killer acted alone, sharing his crimes with no one. The murderer could either shift his criminal activities to another community, or suppress his violent urges. These deductions from Dr. Lapella shed light on the possible mindset and motives of the enigmatic phantom killer and gave the police some idea of what signs to look for in their suspects. In our ongoing journey dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey. As someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations, 
What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. Attention, friends. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with MyLifeInABook.com. Each week, MyLifeInABook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 support your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. The most promising one seemed to be the case of Yul Swinney. Yul Swinney, a 29-year-old car thief and counterfeiter, was apprehended in July by Tackett who was investigating a string of car thefts that took place on the night of the Griffin Moore murders. Tackett tracked down the stolen vehicle and arrested Sweeney's wife, Peggy, when she arrived to claim it. At that moment, Peggy confessed that her husband was the notorious phantom killer and had murdered Booker and Martin. Though her story shifted, and minor details across the multiple interviews they put her through. The police believe she was still withholding information due to either fear of Sweeney or to avoid implicating herself. Some aspects of Peggy's confession were worth looking into and verifying. These include details of where Ewell had discarded the belongings of his victims. While there was circumstantial evidence against Sweeney, Peggy's confession was the most crucial piece of the puzzle 
For six months, law enforcement officers worked tirelessly to substantiate Peggy's confession and connect Sweeney to the murders. They discovered that on the night of the Booker-Martin murders, Sweeney had been sleeping in his car under a bridge near San Antonio. Sweeney was never charged with murder, but was instead imprisoned as a habitual offender for car theft. Even Peggy later recanted her confession, and since she was considered an unreliable witness, nothing she would say to testify against her husband could hold up in court. In his 2014 book, Sheriff Presley reported that investigators said Sweeney's sentence was effectively a plea bargain, although case files indicated no formal agreement. Fearing a death sentence for the murders, Sweeney agreed not to testify to the habitual offender charge and even tried to plead guilty despite the charge requiring a jury trial. Several years later, in 1948, Virginia Carpenter, a 21-year-old, disappeared, leading some to suspect that this was the doing of the Phantom Killer, specifically Sweeney Ewell. But at the time, Sweeney was still serving his time in prison. Later in 1999, in 2000, an unidentified woman reached out to the surviving relatives of the Phantom's victims to express regret for what her father had done, but Yule Sweeney never had a daughter. Another potential suspect was 18-year-old university freshman Henry Booker Doody Tennyson, who took his own life by ingesting cyanide poison on November the 4th, 1948. Although Henry was never definitively ruled out as a suspect, the public generally discounted him as the actual phantom killer. Dr. John Tennyson, a general and forensic psychiatrist from San Antonio, Texas, and the cousin of Henry Tennyson, never explicitly mentioned that he believed his cousin was the phantom. But he did consider him the more likely option than Ewell Swinney. Henry would have been just 16 years old when he allegedly committed the murders, as detailed in his suicide note. And according to Dr Tennyson, teenage serial killers do exist. And there was nothing in the killer's psychological profile to negate the possibility of the murderer being a teenager. While Peggy Ewell confessed that Swinney was the killer and later withdrew her claims, Henry had written his crimes in his suicide note. In this cryptic note, Tennyson confessed to the Booker, Martin and Starks murders. He wrote, quote, Why did I take my own life? You may be asking that question. Well, when you committed two double murders, you would too. Yes, I did kill Betty Joe Booker and Paul Martin in the city park that night and kill Mr Stark and try to get Mrs Stark, end quote. He also mentioned being a burden to his family and somewhat of a social outcast, which could explain why the Phantom's primary targets were older men dating younger women. 
Dr. Tennyson suggested that if the victims were meant to symbolise someone who had wronged the killer, the older male victims might represent a father figure. In Henry's case, he had a difficult relationship with his father and a complicated relationship with his older sister. These individuals might potentially have been surrogates for the victims. Aside from the fact that Henry played trombone in the same high school as one of the Phantom's victims, no other evidence linking him to the crimes was found. His friend, James Freeman, gave an alibi for the night of the Starks' murder, explaining that they had been playing cards all night when they heard the news of the attack. Why he would claim to be the murderer for a crime he didn't commit remains unknown, although some have speculated that Henry knew the killer and wished to protect him and decided to claim the title so the true killer would never be found. Sometime later, Ralph B. Bauman, a 21-year-old former Army Force machine gunner, emerged as another suspect. He claimed to have committed the murders in a fugue state, finally waking up from that state when his rifle missed Miss Starks. He heard about the suspect matching his description and hitchhiked all the way to Los Angeles, feeling like he was fleeing for murder. On May 23rd, he told the Los Angeles police that he felt like he might be the phantom, stating, I'm my own suspect. The Texarkana police arrested him, but Gonzalez explained that several parts of Bauman's story had little to no basis in fact. Ralph Bauman had been discharged from the AAF for being a psychoneurotic and had previously confessed to killing three other people in Texarkana in a three-day period, which did not match the timeline of any of the killings. There were many more suspects throughout the investigation, including a suspicious saxophone peddler, an escaped German prisoner of war, an unknown hitchhiker, a suspect in Atoka County, a man referred to as Sammy, a taxi driver, and Earl McSpadden. Despite these numerous leads, none of these suspects were conclusively tied to the murders. Some were cleared of suspicion, while others were shrouded in local rumors and speculation. In the end, the terrifying tale of the phantom killer of Texarkana remains unsolved, with no definitive answers to the questions that have plagued the town for decades. The unsolved case continues to cast an eerie shadow over Texarkana, reminding us of the chilling depths of human cruelty and the relentless pursuit of justice. As we conclude this heart-pounding journey through the dark corners of Texarkana's past, we must remember that sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. The Phantom Killer may never be unmasked, but his story will live on as a haunting reminder of the dangers lurking in the shadows. We hope you've enjoyed this tale, and we thank you for joining us on this unforgettable exploration into one of history's most enigmatic serial killers. Your support and curiosity keep us going, 
and we're grateful to have you as part of our community. Stay tuned for more thrilling episodes that venture into the unknown and remember, the answer we seek may not always be what we expect. Until next time, stay safe and keep exploring the mysteries that lie just beyond our grasp. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.